Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Got up early today with Tamara Brown. She's the interim CEO at Superior Gold. And you know we like a turnaround story, so we were keen to listen to what she had to say about what she inherited, what she's going to do about it, and what 2021 holds in store. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and what she had to say, and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are training videos on there to help you with your diligence process. There's also summaries of other interviews that we've done to save you some time. And of course, there's a big thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment, free from abuse and trolling. How nice is that? So go to cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Tamara, how are you? Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Good, good, good. Where in the world are you? I'm coming from to you from sunny Perth, Western Australia. Very it's nice. actually so bright, it's shining in my eyes, which is very nice. Oh, poor you. <laughs> um, well, look, thanks for joining us. Um, this is a story we first heard back, I think it was April 2019. We haven't spoken since, but um, I think you've come on board middle of uh, last year to basically turn things around, um, get, get, the, get the plan uh, together and then get the show on the road as it were. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what you've got going on there. But first, we have an obligatory one minute overview of your company and then I'll pick it up from there. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. So Superior Gold, Canadian-based TSXV-listed gold producer. We own 100% of Plutonic Gold operations, which are in the northern part of the world-class Western Australian Yilgarn Gold Belt. Uh, we have uh, Plutonic that's been in operation since 1990, continuous production, produced around 6 million ounces of gold. So world-class mining jurisdiction, World-class deposit, it's an arcane greenstone belt, probably about 80 kilometres long by 10 kilometres wide. It's got the right rocks, Matt. This is, you know, proven by the, the long history of production. And we've got a clear optimization expansion plan with which we need to now execute on as a significant resource base and a compelling re-rate opportunity for investors. You have inherited a heck of a situation. Two reasons. Because let's say when we last heard this story, it was difficult. Chris told us that, you know, the good stuff had been mined out. You were used to mining at four grams, you know, down at two and a half. And then, of course, the last two years, I think shareholders have expected you guys to get things sorted out and get, get back to producing and making money. You've walked in in July. Will we brought in to try and do? Yeah, look, it was, uh, I was brought in really to just uh, turn things around for shareholders. We were probably one of the, the lowest valued gold producers PSX. We had not performed the way uh, we should have. And really when it all boils down to it, it's about trust and it's because we had a two-year period of not hitting our guidance and it's pretty simple in mining. You need to tell the market what you're going to do and actually deliver it. And so uh, the board um, had made an assessment and said, look, there's more value here than we're currently getting for shareholders. So I've come in to identify what needs to be done, who's the right group or right person in order to do that. And, um, you know, I've been at it now five and a half, nearly six months, and um, I, th I think we've had some great progress in that time, but there's a lot left to do. And um, and hopefully today we can talk about some of those things. Okay, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because, I mean, why I wanted to, you know, 
get in contact with you guys and speak to you guys because I saw an extraordinary headline last July around the time you started, which which says something along the lines of you are initiating a process to maximize shareholder value. It's, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I would hope so every day of the week. But the fact yes. that you have to say it out loud in public it was a case of mea culpa. We recognize that we have not performed. I think that's exactly it is saying to our shareholders, you deserve better. We recognize it. And as a board, we're entrenched. We don't think we're the only ones that could do this. We don't even necessarily think we're the best ones to do it. And so it's our jobs to go out on behalf of shareholders and identify, A, what are the opportunities here at Platonic? And um, and we do believe that there's a lot more than's currently being um, um, shown. And and then the second part of that is who's the best group to, to unlock that? If it's ourselves, because other parties, A, either A, don't, aren't willing to pay or B, um, don't have any particular uh, expertise that's better than ours, then um, then we'll certainly put in place the right person to run it, likely from Perth. This is, you know, this is a bit of a, a tricky structure previously where we had it run from Toronto. And um, that may be fine and well in the old days, but now during COVID, you can certainly understand that you need to be close to your asset. As a single asset company, it should likely be run from Perth. Right, and obviously um, Chris has uh, gone. You, you've stepped in. Was, it, was that a case, was that a kind of symbolic uh, event? What, did the you feel the market needed to see a head roll, and so Chris took one's pace forward? But- I, I think that's probably a good way to put it, Matt. I think that the the street had lost confidence in um, in his and our ability to to predict guidance and deliver on that. And Chris was one of the first people to identify that you know the market was going to need that head. Um, he is a large shareholder of the company, and I, I do believe he, he still sees what we all saw back in 2016, which is there's a, a significant amount of um, gold in the ground. We have the infrastructure, and we've got a whole belt to consolidate here, and so we need to get about doing that. Right. So, um, and, and we'll, we'll get onto the, the, the assets and the company and the plan because I, I really, really do want to hear this because I love a turnaround story. Um, you've been at the company since 2016. You, you, you've been watching this, maybe passively rather than actively. Um, do you think the market has given you the reaction that you were hoping for? I mean, the share price, you know. Could, could be doing a lot better. Do you think they've listened to that headline of we're initiating a, a process to maximize shareholder value? Or do you think they're still just waiting for you to make a significant move? Look, I, I right now I'm focused internally, Matt, internally on what we need to do. You always need to worry about the market. At this point in time, there are so many things that need to be put in place for the market to see the value. We, we started doing that in 2020. We came out with a PEA on an open pit project that was you know, a, a solid amount of ounces that were sitting there that just had never been put into a technical report so that the markets could start to understand what is the value that Platonic holds. It certainly had become a reputation of an old mine where, as you said at the beginning, we're starting to mine out the ore body. But that's simply because there wasn't enough drilling and development done. It's not that the ore deposit or, or the mineralization is ending. Our exploration results prove that categorically. It's simply that we have not done the drilling and development we need to do. From To give you an example, from when Northern Star acquired it until um, the next three years of under Superior Gold, the drilling and development rates dropped 30 to 40%. So it's, you know, it's the age-old story. If you don't drill and develop in an underground mine, you're going you're gonna to end up with the problems you have today. 
So um, so we need to do that. And so, uh, you know, a big part of me coming in was sort of being able to say, okay, this is what needs to be done. These are the, the problems we need to fix and then start to put in place the actions to, to deliver on that. Okay. Okay. I think it's a fair assessment. Um, let's move on to the assets. Okay, so you, obviously you've got um, you've got you've got the Plutonic Gold Mine, you've got a mill, you've got Hermes, and you've also got a JB um, as well. I'm going to massacre this name by by Briar. Is it Briar? Briar Mason. There you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> so you've got a few moving parts. I like that you said you're focused internally initially because you've kind of got to get things in the right order. Uh, and the process is back up and running. But you've also yep. said that you may not be the person to take this company forward. That's a kind of bold statement for a CEO to make, isn't it? Well, I am an interim CEO, and um, I think we should all understand where we add value. I, I come from the market, I'm an engineer, but I come at it from the corporate development side of things. So that strategic piece, I know, absolutely know I have down, but I'm not the person that's turned around underground and open pit operations in my career. And I believe that's the kind of person that needs to be running this company. We don't need a multi-tiered structure. We need a, a CEO that has operating experience and able to do it. Okay, so you need to get you need to kind of get your house in order to attract that kind of person to walk in here. That's exactly right. Got it. Okay, so let's let's talk about some of those assets today, and you know, you know where they're at, and what you are doing to, I say, you know, get your house in order. So, if you don't mind sort of running through what you're uh, sure, absolutely. So, yeah. So to begin with, we have the Platonic Underground Mine. So this is a, um, it's a, it's it's got a lot of infrastructure there. We um, have 450k's of um, development, 7,000 of drilling that we inherited. And at the operation, it's worth noting that we have two mills. We have a 1.8 million tonne per annum mill and a second mill at 1.2 million tonnes per annum that's currently on current maintenance. So that's the kind of infrastructure that I talk about needing to utilise. This is an economies of scale story and, and we need to utilise that infrastructure that shareholders already own. We have gas-fired power here, which is very, very low cost, 14 cents Australian kilowatt hour. Um, we have the camp and bore fields, airstrip, et cetera. But... From all of that, you can understand there's a certain fixed cost here at Platonic that we need to cover before we make profit for shareholders. And as an underground only mine, we had been getting production levels down to below that profitability level. And that's what you saw in 2020. We relied 100% on underground ore. And you're, you're effectively relying on teaspoon mining to fill a very hungry 1.8 million tonne per annum mill. And so I believe the opportunity here is to return Platonic to what it had been for many years under Barrick and, and Homestake, which was having an open pit and an underground that supplemented with grade. And so everywhere you put a drill hole at Platonic, there is gold. And so this, uh, I guess, philosophy or this strategy um, certainly bears itself out because we have the, we, we have the resources um, and we have the ore body that can deliver this. Internally, Matt, we often talk about the fact that Platonic maybe should have been a super pit because there's a lot of gold and it's just whether that grade can sustain underground mining or whether it you know, should be more bulk mined as, as an open pit. And uh, so really that's, uh, that's what we're talking about. So that's the first piece is that underground. Second piece is the open pits. So um, last year, as I said, we didn't mine any open pits. And so in 2021, we'll be bringing online uh, the Platonic East open pit, which is previously mined pit close to our mill. It's simply a pushback at better gold prices of that um, open pit. Very simple, not very complex, 
already permitted, ready to go. So we'll be bringing that online and that will start to take the pressure off the underground where you don't have to be chasing tons. You can go back and focus on grade. And so beyond Platonic East, we have three um, other deposits on the Platonic mine property, which is salmon, perch, uh, and the main pit. And the main pit was a, a larger project. It has um, in and around half a million ounces in, in the total uh, shell, but we have come out with a PEA that's quite constrained, a smaller pit size of uh, 350,000 ounces, but that gives Platonic six years of 1.2 million tonnes a year to supply that hungry mill and be the, the steady base load of production. So we're very excited to come out with that at the end, very end of last year in December. And um, and I don't think that the market's really taken, you know, hasn't had a chance yet to digest that. So that's a big piece of, you know, absolutely we need to optimise the underground, but bringing those open pits online are, are very important. Next piece of strategy will be, um, utilising that second mill. So we have the additional 1.2 million tonne per annum mill. And the idea there is to consolidate the belt. There are quite a number in and around a dozen different gold deposits that are, have already outlined resources within 150 kilometres of platonic. And there's no use, the investment community shouldn't be investing in building another mill when there's capacity here at platonic. And so that's the strategy with the second mill. So, you know, you can see it's a staged approach. You know, we, we have the current underground operations that should be in and around seven to 80,000 ounces a year. Add in the open pits, we should get to around 100,000 ounces. And then you have the opportunity to use that second mill to go up to around 150,000 ounces. So that's the, the strategy. That's what we see. And then obviously any great gold deposit, you want to always talk about the expiration upside. And we have a lot of uh, expectation on that end of things as well. Okay. You're going to need to finance this. You raised 15 million bucks back in October. Um, yes. How much of that have you got left? Yeah, so we, uh, we've we just come out with our 2020 production. Happy to say that we delivered on our guidance, which was number one, gaining back that trust. Okay. Uh, we also released our cash position. We have $17.3 million US. And um, so we have invested already. So the things that we've invested in are eliminating NSR royalty on this property, which we think um, well was absolutely accretive for our shareholders, an important thing to do. Royalties should always stay with the asset. Um, and then we invested in a third drill rig that is completely dedicated just to exploration. So the problem that Platonic had got into is that it was a hand-to-mouth, one stoke to the next, and all of the equipment was being utilised just trying to fill that mill, um, chasing tonnes, and so now we've carved off and said, okay, we're effectively having a separate business here. We're going to be opening new mining fronts and creating new stope inventory. And this drill rig's a big part of that. We also, um, we invested in uh, revitalizing our underground fleet this year. Part of the money went for that, where we added two new trucks and two new loaders. The equipment here at Platonic had got very high hours. It was getting older was more often in the maintenance bay than it was making money for shareholders. And so we've brought on new equipment. And um, we also did a tailing storage facility raise. We upgraded our airstrip. So we're investing back in the assets so that we can deliver better productivities, more profitable operation going forward. Okay. The market's not reacting to these stories yet. Okay. So no. you're going to need to, you're probably going to need to raise more capital this year. Is that 
fair to say? Look, it's a, it depends on results. So, and I right. don't want to, I'm not, it's just simply a case of we didn't raise, there was more money available than we raised. There was, you know, there was, we were oversubscribed. There was more money, but there, we didn't at that point in time have the projects with the right return. So I have a, a certain minimum IRR that I'm looking for in any capital we spend for shareholders. And so we took the money that we needed to do the first phase, which is going out, I, following up on the expiration results that we released last year, to give you an example, we had two results, one from the Indian zone and one from the Baltic. In the Indian, we came across 56 grams over 15 metres. And that's the kind of result, it's within 100 metres of existing infrastructure. You don't just put that hole out and then stop. And unfortunately, that's the case the company had got into because it didn't have the capital or the balance sheet available. So we raised this money on behalf of that next drill to go and follow up on that kind of a drill result. And the other one was in the Baltic, which was around 40 grams over six and a half metres. Again, this is mineralisation that should be very quickly put into resources, reserves and into our mine plan. Right. Okay. I mean, you're, you're working in a very positive gold environment price, which certainly in Australia as well. Yes. Very, very positive. Um, um, the reason I asked about, you know, how are you going to need to do some funding this year? You're going to have to make a choice as a board as to the cost of that money. Okay. And then partly the yes. market decides by how they're valuing your company at the moment sitting at around what, 86 million Aussie, uh, which is probably quite far from where you want to be. Are some of the options you're looking at potentially offloading some of your assets? You've got a, you've got a spare mill. You could get, you could sell yes. that. Um, or do you think? Would you think the market's going to give you enough credit, you, Tamara Brown, enough credit and time, therefore, to uh, say, well, actually, maybe there's a, there's a, there is a long-term story here. Maybe they can get this um, second uh, mill, you know, working at full capacity too, in which case the, the revenue will come. Yeah, look, we're going to be free cash flowing this year. And a critical piece of our story is that back in 2019, the company did a gold loan. And so it has been struggling with this underground operation to repay that gold loan at the same time as investing in the drilling and development. That comes off in June this year. And so you'll see us go through a transition on our cash flow. I do expect the market to, to recognise that when we go through that, that catalyst point uh, where we, you know, we become significantly more free cash flow. And so I think the answer is we're not comfortable taking dilution in here at this rate. We're actually probably trading in and around where we did the raise. We would expect to have positive results for shareholders. So we have yet to release an expiration result since we raised that money. So that's the first catalyst we need to get out. Go and show shareholders why we've raised this money on behalf of what. And then um, we have actually spent some of it with respect to eliminating that NSR. That was an immediate accretion. Yeah, I think the NSR component is, is was a smart move for, for sure. Um, but if I come back to the, let's, let's talk about, there's a lot of parts there. The expiration, for instance, one drill, that's not really going to make a, a, a bit of a difference in the market, is it? Everything's relative compared to zero drills, you know, like we managed in a, in a 24-month period to come out with, you know, five holes and we released them and they were excellent. You know, got the ore body worked out. It's not like we have a low hit rate. It's a case of um, actually being able to dedicate that drill to exploration versus production drilling. What, we'll say you, you've got the ore body worked out. What do you mean by that? What, what's the data points that allows you to say that? So we, um, so it's a complex ore body. It really is. It's not a simple uh, continuous zone mineralization. It's folded 
it's a it's a series of of narrow layers and um I would say that previously different chief geologists, so we've had some changes at site, which is important to note. And um, previous chief geologists have maybe not had the um, the target that, that our current um, executive has. And he he was uh, with Platonic back in the Barrack days, went off with Barrack and then has come back to the operation. And so it was under his jurisdiction that these drill results came out in June this year. And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, you know, he deserves to be given the money to, to continue on with that program because if he can continue to hit, you know, 56 grams over 15 metres, our shareholders will continue to give him money. Right. And, and, what's, and Keith Boyle was, uh, I think he just joined us. Well, he had been a consultant and he, and he joined the company's COO back whenever that was, 18-odd months ago. What's, what's his role in all of this, he's a COO, and um, and he's doing a, a very admirable job. It's it's not an easy uh, deposit, and when you think about the fact that they'd got into the situation where they were remnant mining only, and remnant mining, you know, if you're familiar with underground mines, is it's more complex. It's not as safe. It's not as productive. Um, you're going in and around old stopes in order to take the back of a stope, simply like a, an open pit mine when gold prices change. You know the the waste becomes ore. And so I think that the things that, that Keith have put in place are, are starting to be fruits and those are the kinds of things as improving our frontline planning and scheduling, focusing on dilution and our mining and costing practices. Um, and a key piece of what he did was bring in a new GM and um, that gentleman's been there now 12 months and he's brought the cultural change that we needed with respect to what's so very critical, which is safety and culture at the operation understanding um, A, safety comes first, but but also to take account for actions. There was, a, there was a lot of people blaming others' previous situations, not taking, you know, account for, for the mine plan. And you can see that with the lack of hitting our guidance. And so for me, day one, that was the most important thing. And so we did hit our guidance uh, since I've been on board, and that's going to be an important you know, you need at least three quarters for the market to give you back some credibility that you have your operation under control and can deliver what you say you're going to deliver. Okay. You are presiding over a, a turnaround exercise. You're trying to steady the ship, patch up the holes, and get it into a position where you can attract a world-class CEO. So you're, you're, you're the... Um, the current CEO, but you you recognise that perhaps you're not the person to move this forward. So this this steadying this the steady state uh, that you're in at the moment. Where do you think you need to get to? What more do you need to show the market and show a prospective CEO um, before someone's going to give you credit for having done the job you've been brought in to do? Yeah, look, I don't think that, like, I think that the things are, are falling in place. This story is starting to tell itself when when you take a look at the, the, just those separate buckets of value. So the underground, obviously, there it's going to have to deliver on the on the production at the cost that we say. It's going to have to deliver positive expiration results that gives the market comfort and any incumbent comfort that there is life ahead at Platonic Underground. We've already come out, which is a very key piece with that main pit PEA, which you know has significant value for for, the, for our shareholders. You know, it's got a 120 million dollar NPV, a 35 percent IRR, 
and relatively low capital of 82 million, which is all pre-stripped because the, the deposit actually dips down and so it's simply stripping off the waste. But no complexity. There's no mill or other infrastructure that has to be added. We know the mining costs because we've open pit mined here before. So the costs aren't a risk. And that adds 60,000 ounces a year in production for six years. So that piece, I think, is the fundamental piece in, in saying to the market and to anyone coming in looking at this opportunity, Platonic has a solid life ahead of it of making money, of making free cash. And so I think that's the key piece for anyone to know that you've got a strong future. I mean, how, how do you think you stand out against peers or people that you would consider peers? Less less complicated background, um, of a certain size as well. You know, there's a lot of companies of, of, of your size. Um, it's tough to kind of stand out from that, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I liken Platonic to, you know, and it's going to be lofty when I say it, but but names like Richmond where, you know, it's a tired, people at one point in time considered it a tired asset um, there was no life ahead of it. Obviously, it's the expiration piece that's key, but that's what Platonic gives you because this ore body is showing no signs of, of pinching off. You might look at Fosterville as another example. Absolutely, these deposits did have a period in time where the market had nearly given up on them, but um, with the right investment and the right strategy behind it, and I think that that's what that open pit um, production does is it gives you the lifeline to be able to do this kind of work in the underground without having the pressure to fill a mill at the same time. Right. And it talks to me about SGI in terms of their, their involvement, you know, historically and, and going forward. You mean Northern Star? Yeah. Yeah. So Northern Star um, owned the asset, divested to us, took shares as, a, as part of the transaction. Uh, in this recent um, financing, we diluted them down. They did not participate. And I think if you take a look at Northern Star, they, um, they've, they've gone on to bigger things. And that's what Platonic was in their history. It was the first, one of the first assets they acquired in a big M&A string. It was uh, Northern, um, Platonic and then Jundee. And they quickly identified that, Northern, that Platonic did not provide the 200,000 ounces a year from underground that they had been hoping for. So they really only owned it for about two years. They did a great job of investing, putting in the drilling and development it needed, and um, and then went on, sold it to us, kept the shares because they believed in the asset. They still do. We have a director on the board. They were supportive of this move that we've made here with the management change. And I think they do fundamentally believe in the asset, but we all agree it needs more drilling and development. And how do you tidy up the corporate structure? Because again, I think people looking at it go, it's complicated. What's complicated? It's very clean to me. The, we, have, we have no debt, we have a gold loan. It's gonna be paid off in June. We have a very simple balance sheet. And so for me, it's a very clean story. The problem we've had, the only problem is not delivering on our, on our guidance. Right. Okay. And do you think, so 2021 for you is, for you personally, for you, Tamara Brown, is about getting it to a state which you think the market, one, understands what you're trying to do, understands your plan. And have you set yourselves any other targets? You, you personally set yourself any other targets? Absolutely, a lot. <laughs> so obviously the, we understand the market's very interested in those drilling results. So getting out drilling results that blow up on the Baltic and the Indian is critical. 
making sure that we um, pay off that gold loan, which it, it will happen. It's a it's a gold loan that comes out of our production in June. I think that will be a big trigger for the company. And then advancing those open pit projects. We'll see the first open pit production in 2021 coming in from Hermes, I mean, sorry, from um, Platonic East. And then we'll be advancing the Hermes South project and the, the main pit pushback. So all of these projects have their own catalysts along the way. So for example, with the main pit project, as I said to you at the beginning, we have a very constrained small pit because we have some surface uh, physical constraints that um, there was no reason to go around. And so one is a heritage survey that needs to be done. There's a potential to remove that from this project and that would add a significant amount of ounces and significantly improve the value of that project. Another is looking at trade-off studies on the mill. We have the opportunity to move some of the mill infrastructure because this project butts up right against the mill. And so completing those, as well as doing the infill and extensional drilling that needs to happen. So I think that the company has a lot of catalysts over the next year. First and foremost, we'll be continuing to improve each quarter our production and our costs. But what are your goals? What what do you, at the end of 2021, you go, success for you personally mm-hmm. means what? Having found a new CEO? Uh, that would maybe be in the list, but first and foremost is unlocking some value for shareholders. So seeing, seeing our share price start to reflect the true value that we have here, because we have two and a half billion dollars in infrastructure. We have a significant reserve and resource. We have five million ounces now in total resources, and we're trading at, as you said, $80 million. So for me, that is, you know, shareholders come first. And so giving them back some value with some appreciation in that share price, getting out and telling the story, which we didn't focus on last year because we wanted to start ticking off some of these things. The main pit PEA was a, an important one. Hitting our guidance is another one. So starting to deliver on these things that we can talk to people about. And so we're doing more marketing and hopefully talking to you again. Well, I hope so. Um, <laughs> so I had a conversation there earlier this morning with, with a group and say, you know, people, you can't expect management to do things for free, right? You know, you've got to pay good people to do a good job. So how have you been incentivized by the company and what are the targets that set you specifically? Is it around share price? Is it around market cap? Or is it just around the deliverables or at an operational level? It's a combination of all. And so it was very clear when I came in that, um, I was doing this because I had that corporate development experience, the understanding of who was doing what and looking for what in the marketplace as far as M&A goes. We had uh, a number of unsolicited inbound interest on Platonic. It's a very strong gold market. It's a great mining jurisdiction. We were very lowly valued. And so it was clear that uh, we needed to come clean with the market. I think you saw some speculation in our share price right before I took over. When I came in, we, I guess, evened the playing field so that everybody understood we were looking at uh, a strategic process. Obviously, at the same time, I brought down guidance significantly in order for us to deliver on it. Well, I thought that was an interesting point you make because the share price just before you um, came on board, there's a massive peak there. And then the announcement of you taking over, share price fell away. So you're saying that was due to speculation around M&A, not a reflection of the market's view of you. Well, you know, obviously we could, we could, uh, I, I hope to think that I personally didn't bring it down that much, um, but um, it could always be the case. No, I do think in all honesty, it was a combination of um, the speculation not resulting in a takeout bid per se. And obviously when you take off 30,000 ounces, 
um, off a junior gold producer's profile overnight, uh, it's going to you're going to have a revaluation. Was do you think? I mean, who were, what, were the, what was the market speculating? Who were you, who were you in discussion with? Apparently, was it anything to do with Van Gogh? Well, I don't think Van Gogh would elicit that kind of a. They don't, they don't have the capacity, maybe, to pay the price that the market was speculating. Um, but I can say that the the the, the um, strategic process um, piece that I'm working on, most of my energies are on talking to the the belt. So Van Gogh, Sandfire, AIC, all of the parties in and around West Gold, everyone who's in and around the Platonic Mary Meyer Gold Belt. We're talking to making sure people understand what our business um, philosophy is, what we want to achieve here, and there's significant opportunity there for shareholders. And so that makes a strategic process complex. You're not just looking at what's it worth to someone else. You're having to take a hard look at, well, what happens if we can deliver on this consolidation for our shareholders? What does that look like? And is it better to do that first before we consider external offers? Okay, and if I'm if I'm an outsider looking in uh, at you, you've got two mills. Okay, one in care and maintenance, admittedly. Um, I, I don't know how much more money you've got to uh, spend uh, on those mills. You're quite cheap. You're 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 you look quite cheap to me um, as an operator, as another operator. Um, so I don't think the market recognises that at the moment. So M and A seems to be the way that this story gets exciting. You guys don't have enough. Uh, I don't think you've got the ability to go and raise some capital to go and do an M and A yourself. So, would you welcome uh, an approach now, or is this something that you think maybe in twelve months' time is going to be more appropriate for your shareholders? Yeah, look, I personally, you know, this is a personal view, not a board view. I personally feel that there's more upside for shareholders here for us to go and execute on the number of things that we've outlined here and deliver that to shareholders before we consider external proposals but there's always going to be interest when you're trading at this low valuation Matt that's going to be but as you said in the beginning that should be our day-to-day everyday job of unlocking value for shareholders absolutely okay final question which is um, you yeah. said you know and you understand the ore body do you think you can find higher grade material on a cons- more consistent basis going forward absolutely absolutely we just have to drill you're not going to find it without drilling I can guarantee that and so until now we hadn't been drilling and so that's our, our mandate now is go and drill, drill, drill. And I think that the, the results will be in the point. Okay, Tamara, look, appreciate your time today. We love a turnaround story here. So uh, keep going. Terrific. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com. And of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.